Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Paul Friels. And I'm Dave Guzman. And welcome to Practical Bass, uh, where we talk about issues that are important to you, the working bass player. We want to elevate your gigs and gear and help you succeed at your gigs, your rehearsals, whatever is important to you. And uh, we want you to connect with us, so please check out the website. You can subscribe to this podcast there. Website is practicalbase.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Google+, and we hope to hear from you. Uh, what are we going to talk about today, Dave? Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about the minimal amount of effect pedals that we bring to a gig. I think for us, it's kind of some dialogue around what is what's important to bring you know when we're talking about efficiency of of moving in and out of gigs being hired for gigs or yeah. whatever whatever that looks like if you're in the studio what's the minimum amount that's important to each one of you right we'll, we'll talk about what's important to us but just to explore that topic and really try to figure out you know where that is yeah i mean this is i'll be honest this was a when when you suggested this topic when i looked at it i thought oh man that's this is going to be tough and i think what what I realized as I thought through it was it's not as tough as it sounds because the answer really is it's going to, it's going to differ from case to case. Right. So, you know, and I think that goes right along with our, you know, our philosophy of not being too um, didactic about this. Right. Or, right. or like being dictators about like you absolutely should not bring yeah, this is the only thing that you should do, et cetera, et cetera. Right? There are people on the on the internet that will tell you all sorts of rules about what you can and can't do. And I think our idea really is just kind of explore a variety of situations and maybe figure out, hey, here are some maybe ground rules for people to think about. Yeah, and and you know, look, like let's face it, there's anytime you hear a bassist play live and you're sort of you know tuned into the bassist because you're a bassist. There's just this curiosity as to like what's on their floor, like right. What are they? What's making that sound? Um, you know, am I missing something in my lineup? That's a pedal. Yeah. Have you have you gone up when you see somebody's like stage rig? Do you have you crept up with your your phone or whatnot and like snap a picture of their pedal board? Because I've done it. I've done it. You've done it too. Yeah. Okay. And I, probably many of our Safe listeners place. have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, you kind of sneak up and you're just like, click. it's like trade secrets, but right. you know, nobody treats it that way, right? These are all like tools that everybody can get, but it's really cool to then like geek out over that afterwards and say, oh, he's, he's using so-and-so pedal. Right. And, and most, and you know, and, and ironically, like with, with, with basses, I think just in general, we don't use a lot of pedals, right? Yeah. You know, if you go to a, you know, big box guitar store, um, you'll, you'll find there's not a whole lot of pedals that are Design for basis. Yeah, they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll in fact they'll give you like whatever the guitars. There's been yeah. so many times where I would just want to try a pedal and they just give me a guitar pedal, right? And so, it's not like it's not voiced the same, right? You sometimes like you you lose some of the low end punch, right? That you like on your instrument. Yeah, I mean those the stores really do kind of cater to guitar players, and um, you know we're not we're not kicking guitar players in any way. I mean that's that's definitely like not a goal of our of our. No. Uh, conversations, but it is something that, you know, people are going to run into. It's a little harder to find those effects. And so sometimes you've just, you know, you got to get a hold of them. You may have to pick one up to, 
you may have to actually you know fork over the green yeah to to buy it in order to try it out in your chain and see how you like it. That's right. And, and I think one of the, you know, you were saying that this was, you know, kind of seems like a difficult topic and, and it is. At the end of the day, what's what's ironic about it is that it's not that difficult. We could just say what we have on our, what we have on our stage. Yeah. But what's difficult is just sort of thinking about, you know, is it the right amount? Like, is this, you start questioning yourself, right. like, do I need any more? And for me, my perspective, and I think that you'll always see this like throughout our theme is that, you know, Paul and I do differ. We play similar type of gigs, but we have a, we all have each basis has a different approach and there's just a different way to look at it. For me, I know like my, uh, I think like, you know, for me personally, what's important to me is that I can get in and out of a gig with one walk, like one trip and it's an obsession and it's a thing that's just a part of my life or whatever that is. So one the, trip that it one is the magic number. The one trip. Right. It's like it's like you finally made it. You've finally gotten there. Um but you know one is the loneliest number too. It is right? also one the loneliest number. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Right. You know, I maybe I should expand my uh my you know my concept on this. But I think that, <laughs> you know, but that's that's where I come. Like that's that's where I that's where I come to this topic. And that's why it's a challenge for me because I'm always trying to figure out. I don't have the room for all these pedals or for yeah. a pedal board. It's just not going to ever happen for me. So I need to like dwindle it down to what is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and the question about how many pedals or, or what things that you need, um, I think something that you and I have talked about in the past and, and agree on is it really comes down to what kind of gig are you covering? Like what, what is it that you're doing? Um, right. You know, my, my history is playing with a lot of songwriters, uh, a lot of roots rock, um, folk, acoustic, things like that. Like I did that yeah. for many, many years. And right. really those gigs are in terms of in terms of packing light, they are the ideal because really the song, right? The voice and the performance of the song by the singer is absolutely the focus of what's going on and my number one objective or my number one guiding principle in those gigs was do not distract from the person delivering the performance my right. only the only function i have there is basically to add some low notes into what's going on yep. and like create some weight and some heft in the right areas right and that tonality and so you know those gigs honestly i would literally be i i would literally be playing you know dry like just a compressor right just something to even out the notes really and and like maybe get a bit of sustain on the bass through the compressor yep and that is about it i mean i was there to not attract attention um and i did that you know as my those were kind of my bread and butter gigs were were those kind of gigs and just not putting yourself too far out there. So anything that was like adding a crazy amount of tone or like calling attention to the bass was often the exact opposite of what was desired in that, in that gig. Right. Right. And, and, and I'm lucky because in my, in my, you know, that my primary gig is very much like that. I mean, I just want that raw sound and you know, I was lucky enough to have um, with my, with my last setup, I'm in a transition point right now so, uh, but, but in my last setup, I had, you know, basically just a, you know, it was a Spectra comp on the TC electronic head where 
I had a compressor just built right in, a one knob, easy to use, pretty smart type of compressor, one button. It even it alleviated that that pedal. It was yeah. just right there on board. Yeah. Then you've got, I guess, on the other side, right? There's like the exact opposite. So you, know, you look at some of, you know, yeah. maybe modern, you know, maybe modern rock or metal or yep. you know, alternative. Sure. You know, what what people call alternative now, right? Yep. Um, I, like those kids. I don't mean like those kids. Like right. get off my lawn. I mean like. <laughs> You know what you kind of hear on sure, kind of more on like the indie side yeah. where it's it's experimental yeah. and you're trying to fuse in different musics or it's maybe heavier on the rock but right. also has sort of this disposition of maybe funk in there or whatever yeah or is. just you know really trying to carve a new path and you're sure. really you know people are really looking for an individual sort of voice something right. maybe they haven't heard before and that might be the exact opposite you know you might hear like distortions and overdrives or you might hear like you know the bass may be fuzzed out like you hear this in some like like great heavy rock out there nowadays or yeah. sort of like the heavier side of jam rock which i think is phenomenal yeah um and you'll you may hear like some pretty fuzzy you know overdriven bass there. right and you know that that can really be uh helpful as well yeah i think um you know one of the things i made a point to talk about too um it's you know, the, you start to get into these like little different, you know, niche genres. But, um, you know, for me, I played salsa and Latin music for yeah. five years. Um, and I know these aren't like the type of gigs that most people are playing, but ultimately you're just trying to get your bass to fit in with the, with the style of the music. And there, you know, originally that was an upright bass and historically salsa was played upright. Then it mm-hmm. converts to electric and then they started doing these sort of like hollow body upright electric bases they're still like you know it's like a scale of a bass but they're ultimately they're just trying to get that sound yeah um so they're really that That's was also warm like that, that warm, warm woody exactly yeah. and so you just want that note to die so how do you yeah. do it yeah well turns out even though this is not really on topic it's not a pedal but it is it, it's it's a way that we're like enforcing change onto our base but that would just be like what you would use on sort of like a motown type gig where you're just throwing a piece of foam in there yes yes the old school like stick the foam under your bridge yeah right absolutely and, um, and i've learned a lot of and for those that like want to explore that I, I you know i've watched a lot of videos and tried a lot of different ty- because different foams mean different things the sponge with the yeah. brillo pad on one the one with the brillo pad on one side yeah and the sponge on the other and you put that with like, I assume, with the Brillo side toward your strings because it's not going to hurt them and the sponge toward the finish of the bass. You know what? Just make sure the Brillo is like somewhat dead. Like you can actually yeah. use it, but the Brillo goes on the bass, which is, I know, like Ooh. touchy for some. But wow. but Scott's bass lesson said it's okay. Yeah. Um, that was a big concern of mine. But, you know, but it stays there. It doesn't really right. move very much. So, and then you just want to carve that, I guess, thick enough that it'll like- Yeah, like it'll, an inch. Yeah. An yeah. inch is all. So just an inch of length and you kind of fit that against the bridge. Yeah, it just has that right like thickness of it. And there's so many I think originally my first one was like an egg crate. Yeah. Or any yeah. piece of foam you find. Just you know. So that's definitely good for like, you know, that old school vibe. And, you know, maybe for uh, you know, one more note for equipment that we might want to say here is the 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 absolutely, you know, the the one of the most famous units out there is the Tech Twenty One yeah. Sans Amp. I mean, you'll find them in people will use them in studios. They'll use them as a front end to their rig. 
Um, you know, they're, they yeah. are amp simulators. They can add some, they can add some grit, some yeah, drive, some overdrive some in there. Yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Did, did you ever have one of these? It, actually, it was, it was the first pedal that I ever got. And, oh, and it's yeah. because I did the, the nerdy thing of just asking everybody what their pedals were. And the consistent one was that one. Yeah. I'm not even sure why I got it in the first place. And then I found the uses for it yeah. afterward. I just yeah. got lucky that way. You can almost like fake, you can almost fake like an Ampeg, like a big Ampeg SVT yeah. rig with those yep. and run it directly in for your, you know, if you're yep. recording direct, if you're doing a, you know, tracking or something in your home yeah. studio, they are, they're that, fantastic. I, I use it as that. I mean, it's definitely a good studio recording. Yeah. Or if you just want to give your amp a little bit of boost, yeah, it's got it. Yeah, it just and and you, there's there's like this bite that you can get mm -hmm. out of them that's just yep. fantastic. Now, what what do you find that you're generally using on stage, Dave? Um, yeah, so it's you know usually pr pretty simple. So I will start with uh, you know the first thing that's most important to me, and I know it's not an effect pedal, but it is a pedal, and it has to be made known is that I use you know for me it's my TC uh, the Polychromatic Tuner. Oh yeah. It's got to be up there. It it not only serves as like an easy tuner and, and I can, because it's polychromatic, all that means is that when I'm using it, I can just strum all of my strings at the same time and it'll show me, it'll give me like an idea as to all of my strings and where they're at. It'll tell you at one time which are in tune. Yeah. That's so I don't have to like waste my time on each one. Yeah. And that's great for like in between songs and then I'll kind of narrow down just on one and you don't have to click anything to do that. You just strum it and it shows you everything. And then you can work on that one string. Um, that's critical for me. Um, you know, other than that, uh, you know, it's, it's compressor is really important. And right now, like I said, I'm actually at this point where I'm shopping. So there's like this world, um, of compressors yeah. and a huge price price difference. I mean, there's yeah. the the up to hundred dollars, mm -hmm. which like so for T for that TC that I was using that was built into my old amp um, called the I think Spectra Comp. Yeah, Spectra Comp. And you really just kind of like it's one knob, right? It's you turn knob. it up, you get yeah. more compression. It's or like, less compression. Yeah, right. And it's um and and it was a smart technology. Um, but, you know, as I explore, you know, that this is a whole nother topic of compression that we won't get into, but there are great products out there. You know, yeah. I'm looking at like the Keeley MXR, Aguilar. Yeah. Those oh, are yeah. all like great, great quality products that, you know, I need to take serious and really shopping for. So I'm taking my time. Yeah. And we're um, definitely going to talk a lot about you. Know, like we've got, we're definitely mm -hmm. got a whole like thing going on for compressors that's going to be in a future episode. The other piece I used um, that was also part of my amp that I've got to like somehow figure it out to retune is I had a tube tone that basically um, it simulated a tube amp and it did a really nice job of it. It gave it the warmth, and if I really cranked it, it would give me that overdrive. It would break the note if I'm if I'm really in like a heavier gig, um, and that is like the bare minimum of what I bring on stage. The other like optional ones for me, I really love my octave pedal, my Boss, you know, yeah. whatever OC three or whatever it is. I think the OC two is the one that's like the classic. Yeah, this yeah. is the third, which just for adds sure. like a different. But you know. Um, that to me is great because it adds the drive that I need. Um, it's also good for like those like kind of like indie rock things. If I want to have like this almost orchestrated mm -hmm. bass line, yeah, that's just like gonna peak out. I can hit that and it just it's just it's really dramatic. Yeah. Um, 
you know. So that's um, or you know, there's other there's other uses for it, but they're just kind of like punches that I can pop in. Uh, I have a couple of songs that I play that I'll use it throughout, but very few. Usually, it's just a punch that I'm throwing in there. Right. Um, other than that, I think the chorus pedal is critical. It's really good for you know some whether it's a solo. I don't solo very much, but sometimes you just need those notes just to like kind of sail just a to bit. have a little width mm-hmm. like it gives it a little more width and and yeah. it sort of like just brings the voicing of the bass out a little over the band yep yeah yeah and that's for sure and that's pretty much it i mean the only other thing and I, I was mentioning this earlier before we started recording was the uh for me it was uh you know i think like i've got a wish list of this like the synth i don't even know the name of it but you did paul it was like that that synth oh the pog the right? pog. The electroharmonics pog. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's They're and amazing. the reason why I like it is because it's the bassist. Like, I'm listening to a lot of these bassists that are in New York that are like these jazz guys that yeah. are doing this stuff with synth, like, all throughout. Yeah. It's just or like, cool. oh, I'm a Hammond organ all of a yeah. sudden. Yeah. But, like, would I ever bring it on stage? Probably would never make this list. I would probably use it for like my home studio or maybe like a recording or whatever. Or, you know, or, you know, you've talked about having like your own project that's kind of like, you know, your own expressive, right. you know, who you are as a musician. Like yes. maybe that's something that you bring out for that kind of, right. For that kind of vibe. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not serving, uh, you know, some other band or some other vision. Like, you know, that may be something where you're going to branch out and use that in your own in your own project. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I talked a little bit earlier about how I've done a lot of gigs really with just a compressor. I mean, yeah. um, that is, I mean, that for me, that's an absolute must. And I, I tend to play, I, I've played a, a lot of different bases. Five string is really where I'm most comfortable and, and happy right now. And I think it's because I do a lot more like R and B and funk and things like that's that. That's right. And, yeah. And, and it also helps me from a perspective of, you know, I don't have huge hands. And so for me, having like being able to play fairly low notes further up the neck yeah. um, is helpful. But in doing that, it's also important to make sure that the volume on them is even. Right. And so in certain situations, rooms being what they are, I can have my bass adjusted really well, but certain like if you get down to a certain low area of low notes and the very low register, they will pop out much harder. Yeah. And so being able to tame that is really helpful. Um, yeah. You know, cause, and, and it's distracting when oh, it does yeah. happen. Yeah. You feel you like become, you get obsessed with it. Oh, you could just hear like, you know, exactly when that notes come and you're like, Oh, it's like on the E string, like the 10th fret up, like, or whatever yeah. that note is on your bass. And it just starts to, it just sings, yeah. which is beautiful in itself. But, but you did not when the next it. note is yeah. like two strings down, you know, yeah. four frets back. Yeah. Like you didn't mean to suddenly like bark at everybody. <laughs> right. And, and right. suddenly you did. And, um, you know, and a lot of times I'm playing like an active, um, jazz style bass. And, um, you know, I find that with a compressor, I can make the bass do a lot of things like finger wise, just, you know, dig in to make it like bark more like right. I was talking about, or, you know, I'll just the EQ to get like, if I want more bite or more thud, I won't necessarily need like a preamp that I need to kick in to get that, to get that bite. Um, you know, I will use the EQ on the bass to do it, or I'll use my fingers to do it. And I think I just, I kind of grew up doing that because I didn't understand a lot about effects. And I thought that you had to do a lot of those things with your fingers. And so I got as close as I could, you know, obviously I can't like, 
I can't replicate like phasers or, you know, right, envelope right, filters right. or anything like that. But a lot of it you can do. I mean, you can do with your, there's, yeah, you know, there's it, even, even, even when you're thinking about just the, the compressor itself, yeah. like the alternative is that you're just very cautious as to how you attack each note. Yeah. Like I've had, and we've talked about this, but I had challenges where like my different, my strings were just letting out different outputs Yeah, and, and it, and it was problematic and I was trying to figure out where it was at and the alternative is just play lighter on those yeah. strings. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start really like spending all your time controlling that. And now how do you, now you're distracted. How do you be musical? Right. Like right. how can I think about the song exactly. and, the, and the, and the vibe and whatnot? I love and trust having a, a good compressor. It really is that that's non-negotiable for me. Um, but I, I did ultimately get into, you know, get into effects and I've had, you know, varieties of pedals right now. Um, humorously enough, the thing I'm using almost all the time is I've got one of these, like a line six pod XT floor unit. Yeah. Right. And it has a bunch of things built into it. And right. they're actually very, very good recreations of some of the pedals that I've had over the right. years. Right. And I, and I love only having that one again, having that one thing Yeah, and not having to worry about like, Oh, this particular unit has a start started like giving me fits, like the f- the foot switch is starting to give out or whatnot. Right. It it has been like a tank, and I've had this thing for years now. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do when it finally gives out. I mean, it it's like all electronics. One day it's going to give out, and yes, sure. all of my effects are in that thing. Um, and I and I so I have started to like buy separates to start maybe piecing together a pedal board to take over from it. Yeah. Not because it there's anything wrong with it, but just because I'm looking ahead to that day. But I will probably cry bitter, <laughs> bitter tears of despair when it finally dies because I've loved it for so like it's it's been it's been a great companion with me. I, I can't tell you how many gigs I've used it on like literally half a thousand gigs probably. Wow. Wow. And so of like cause those like multi effects pedals, I mean, they just have so much right built yeah. into them. Yeah. Of all of that, like, how many, how many of those like effects are you using on a on a regular Two. basis? <laughs> Two. <laughs> More often than not, I'm using That's like great. the tuner, which right. is great because like when you when you <laughs> right. do that, it like it mutes the bass so I can tune silently. Right. And the compressor in it, which is actually it's based on an LA two A. And it's a really, really okay. nice sounding compressor on it. It really is. And yeah. there is, it, it's it's not, there's not a detectable lag yeah. in playing this like there used to be with digital effects back in the day. So I really love this. I, I will, you know, I'll be upfront and say like, I, I, I really love and, and, and have loved for a long time um, the stuff Line 6 does. I, I feel like they do their job really well. So I, yeah, I agree. but I do, I do keep a couple effects on it right like mm-hmm. there are a th- few things that i i do use now that i love to kick in when i want like a chorus like you said yeah for the odd solo or even just to kind of like smooth out a nice like quiet ballad or yep. something like that that's right just yeah. brings it and a little bit extra depth and beauty um i love having the wah on it like i'll use that for a solo we'll right. play like sly and the family stone and i will kick in a solo and like pedal the crap out of that solo right, just because right. it's so fun yeah, yeah. to get as a bass player to be able to to do that yep and there is a there's a sub octave on it as well which i'll use and that has a awesome like it, it almost like makes you sound like a like the 
keep like the funky keyboard bass that was so prevalent, like late seventies, early eighties. Right. Like the Stevie wonder style, yes. like left hand. Yeah. yeah. So I can ape that and, and play up yeah. on the neck. Right. But still have like this marvelous, you know, thundering low. Yeah. An octave below that's coming out. And, and that, right. that really is nice. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's been it for me. I think, um, you know, again, most of the time though, you know, it's simple and clean. Um, but it really does come down to, you know, it really comes down to what, what you're doing. Like what, what is your role? What kind of band are you and what kind of music are you playing? So there's not like a one size fits all. The great thing is there's so much out there for us to. Yeah. I, to I, I think out. that there's like common themes on what will, you know, what some of us have, but yeah. you know, if you get a new gig and it's at a totally different genre, yeah, you gotta you gotta needle through and figure out like how am I gonna get that sound that works for that for that band? Yeah, and it might be really looking at other what do other people do that are working in that genre? Like, what are some of the influences? What are they doing? And you know, kind of taking some some hints and tips out of that. Yeah, you know, there's one thing we didn't talk about here, and I feel like this is something that's probably a topic all to itself, which is loopers. We didn't right. talk about that at all. Right. Um, loopers to me. Uh, frankly, I, I think they're awesome. Like when I see players who know what they're doing, uh, as arrangers who can like use a looping machine to build up, uh, a groove and build up a, a whole song that they're doing as a bass player. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. It's like a whole nother instrument almost. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because you can almost use, you know, you get the lows and the thumpiness and even like just using your bass as like a rhythmic thing. Yeah. And also then being able to play like higher up and play, you know, these beautiful melodies that'll be like more in a, like a tenor voice range. Um, yeah. You know, you can really kind of explore the whole instrument, but I almost feel like, you know, our whole point here, I think for this episode was to talk about what, what's the minimum. And I would say those are, those units are something that's best left for like, that's exploring a different kind of playing. Right. Right. Which is, the bass as the feature, or maybe the only that's right. instrument. So yeah, I, I don't think we're down on loopers at all. I think that's you know, but that's really maybe a whole other way to take to take bass. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a that was a, a great discussion. So um, I guess this is probably a good place as any to to stop for now. And uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to the episode. Once again, you can find us at practicalbase.com where you can subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play. You can pick up our RSS feed if you have a different kind of podcatching app. You can also find us on Facebook, on Google Plus, on Twitter, on Instagram. Look for Practical Base and you will find us there. We would love to connect with you. Um, we are looking for our listeners to get involved. We want to know you. We want to have a relationship with you. So let us know what you like, what you don't like, um, criticism, any uh, suggestions. If you've got ideas for the podcast, for topics you'd like to see, we would love to hear from you. We read everything that you send us. And uh, yeah, until we can accept beer in the mail, I guess we have to we have to <laughs> just leave it with comments. Right? So, Perfect. Uh, yeah, so I guess until next time, I'm Paul Freelds. I'm Dave Guzman. And this has been Practical Bass. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.